Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, where your host, Isabel Ross, interviews experts and athletes in the field of endurance sports. Isabel Ross is a three-time Australian long-distance mountain running representative at the World Championships with a best finishing place of 10th female. Twice Australian trail champion, she has won the six-foot track marathon, run a sub-three-hour marathon, and won a 24-hour track race overall with a distance of 198.7 kilometers, as well as competing in and winning grueling ultramarathons in rugged, mountainous terrain. Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons. Isabel is an Australian and USA-accredited endurance coach working with athletes of all levels and is a certified UESCA ultra running coach. She's also a personal trainer and podcast host. Thank you so much to Angela Renzo of Breaking the Barrier podcast for my new intro, What Do You Think? Episode 91 is an interview and discussion with Ben Lindsay, founder of the company Solution. And the spelling is not what you would think, but uh, what it deals with may give you a hint on how to spell it. Ben was an athlete who suffered from shin splints and wasn't impressed by the available ways of dealing with them. So in conjunction with some other athlete friends, he developed a system to deal with them. I know for myself in my early days of running, I got shin splints and I ignored mainly because I didn't know what they were. I just thought it was sore shins and I didn't fully understand um, how serious that was. I continued ignoring them until they turned into stress fractures and yes, I mean multiple. I had two in the one leg. I think we all make silly mistakes when we're new runners and uh, we're so excited about running and also we, we lack the knowledge and knowledge is power and the more we know about the different injuries that runners can sustain and the more we know about the available treatments, the better off we will be whether we're a beginner or a, a seasoned runner. I hope this podcast offers you some insights in how to avoid or treat this injury if you happen to have it. And in saying that, if you are like the majority of runners, you may feel that you are constantly dealing with one niggle or another, niggle being a euphemism for injury, really, and and that can take away from your joy of running, and it may even be sore shins. So if you're sick of niggles, come in and see the specialists at Health and High Performance where they utilise the latest in technology and experience to help you get back to your running best. Head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run to book an appointment and ensure you can run pain-free. You can also find them on Instagram, Health High Performance. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. I really appreciate the people who take the time out of their day to get onto Apple Podcasts to rate, review and subscribe. And of course, big shout out to Bars who has been posting on Facebook trying to get people to do the same. And I, I really appreciate it. I, I really appreciate the support of this podcast. I, I do it for the, the love of the information and the love of sharing and, and, and I'm glad that people really appreciate that. So if you do enjoy this episode, please go on over and rate and review. At Peak Endurance Coaching, I coach athletes to run any distance on any surface, be it road, track or trail, from beginners to advanced athletes. If you're interested, contact me, Isabel, at peakendurancecoaching.com.au so I can help you with a structured, individualised plan that takes into account your life and your running needs. Enjoy the interview with Ben. Hi, Ben, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Hi, Isabel. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How about you? Good, thank you. Very happy to be here. Excellent. On this beautiful 
uh, summer's day. I don't know what it's like. You're up in Sydney, aren't you? Yeah, no, it's very cloudy ah. out here, and I, I I work in a in a basement at the university, oh, basically. No. So my one window <laughs> looks out at a stairwell. So if there's no oh, sunlight, no. well, I'm sorry to say, but grim. I can look out the window and see a beautiful blue sky. So <laughs> lucky me. Well, lucky now, yeah, can yeah. you tell the listeners um, a bit about yourself and your athletic background, just to start us off? I so I used to be a swimmer. I can still swim relatively well. Um, Picked it up when I was about 11. Uh, I was fortunate enough, enough to, so I was part of the West Australian Institute of Sport for a while when I lived over in Perth uh, as a sprint swimmer. Moved to Canberra, was part of the AIS, part of N-Swiss, uh, the N-Swiss squad in Sydney. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to medal at nationals. So I've been a silver and bronze medalist at Australian awesome. Opens and gone to World Cups. Um, pretty much felt a bit lost uh, when I was coming to the end of swimming on what I wanted to do with myself. Uh, I was studying engineering and everyone was pointing me in the direction of either studying medicine or becoming a civil engineer or something like that. And I just found it a bit dull. Uh, if I'm honest, being a civil engineer in medicine, I just didn't think was for me because um, yeah. I did like to tinker and build. So yeah, ended up studying biomedical engineering with mechanical engineering so I could try and build build products for athletes and people like myself um, rather so than being biomedical the, being engineering doctor. what what's that is that like um for people oh, who've fluff. had amputations and that it's fluff oh so <laughs> it's, it's it's a fluff it's a fluff some people uh you see in in the cohort some people will get rid of the bio so they could say yeah. medical uh, engineering because uh -huh. um, it sounds cooler it basically <laughs> so with biomedical mechanical engineering it's mechanical engineering and applications to the body you can also do chemical biomedical engineering so looking at the bio molecular chemistry of the body things yeah. like that so me doing mechanical uh starting what uh, really swings towards orthopedics uh so the musculoskeletal system so, yeah 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 so um, you're interested in shin splints. How does a swimmer get interested in, in shin splints? I can't imagine they're that common. <laughs> uh, you'd be, they are common if the swimmer decides to run. Um, <laughs> so we spend our whole time pointing our toes. Um, so yeah. swimmers don't generally have strong ankles. We don't generally have strong calves. Um, oh, okay. I was actually famous in swimming for having stupidly big calves, um, which I love to show off. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, I did this like a uh, training camp once in Margaret River in WA and we just had to run along the sand uh, for too long and then all of a sudden I had this burn in my shins and every pain I ever had was shoulders right like yeah, most yeah, swimmers it was always shoulders yeah um, but then my shins went and then over the years I could never every time I skipped every time I tried to run or do anything walk too far in a day my shins would flare up yeah. And it only became a problem when, because I had slap tears in both my shoulders, so labral tears, yeah. um, just from overuse, I'd have to do a bit of cross training. So, you know, cardio in the gym, bike work, running. And I just get, every time I ran, it became really bad. So I never got to do the running, never got to do the skipping. It just meant yeah. more time on the bike, on a stationary bike in a hot room, looking yeah. out at a gym, soundproofed off, just bored. Sounds, so sounds that, awesome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
that's that's how I got a, associated with the injury. But um, it was never a season ruiner or anything yeah. like that for me. It was just frustrating. So if if I was a runner, I could, can imagine it's a whole different ball ballpark. Now, now, what is the technical name that shin splints are known by? Everyone calls them shin splints. What's the technical name? And can you explain why that name exists? What I'll do for that, I'll quickly show yeah. you. So quickly go through the slides. So, sorry, so a lot of these slides, we, we do a lot of CPD stuff. Um, so shin splints is actually, depending on who you talk to, a variety of different injuries, right? So. Most of the time, you know, research would suggest and just talking to clinics as well that your people are referring to medial tibial stress syndrome, yeah. um, but not always the case. So we've dealt with some, I've spoken with some NRL teams and things like that. They say shin splints, they mean tibialis anterior, you know, exertional compartment syndrome. Yeah. You know, someone else says shin splints, they say, it's actually uh, a tendinopathy uh, of the tibialis anterior or tib post. Yeah. Um, some of them get quite far away from the shin. Uh, for me, it's, it's to think that they're referring it to shin splints sometimes. Um, but I think, yeah, the most, the most common one and the one that I'm particularly interested in is medial tibial stress syndrome. So MTSS, uh, yeah. which on this slide, it's, it's the bony pain. Um, so, you know, generally caused by overload, uh, a mismanagement of load and poor strength in a runner. So. Yep. All right. So, um, so why, why do we call it shin splints? What is the origin of that name? I actually. Don't know. I've, I don't know specifically. I've, I've heard people refer to it as it feels like splinters in your shins. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming it might, do you know the answer to that one? No, I'm actually was really wondering. <laughs> I was hoping you yeah, knew. I've, I've never been asked. No, I've it's never not a rhetorical question. One. No. Yeah, no, I've, I've always no. wondered because <laughs> I wondered if, um, you know, does the bone slightly splinter? I was thinking, would that be it? But surely not. So, but yeah, I mean, oh. uh, I've, I've had it as, as have you and it's, it's incredibly painful, but um, yep. I can't say it feels like the bone splintering. Well, I think. I can dive into that a little bit. So MTSS, uh, the last death is syndrome. Um, yeah. As a syndrome, multifactorial, I sometimes think it's because no one knows it's the pathophys. So what's happening is sometimes very poorly understood. It's most yeah. of the time poorly understood, very hard to know what's going on. But what, they, what they've shown under MRI um, is pretty much a graded translation from initial bone stress so just a little bit of periostitis and inflammation mm. um, to cortical bone issues so the bone starting to deteriorate as well due to oh, bone yeah, stress yeah. and then stress fractures so um, it the literature and like what people see in clinics is if a runner doesn't get on top of it they're at very high risk of progressing not to just a pain um, and some inflammation but to a stress fracture and that's when they might get put in a boot uh, yeah. and completely immobilized to let it heal. So maybe that's where shin splints comes from. It is maybe not a splinter, but the crack in the crack in the, in bone. the bone. Yeah. Yeah. So so you talked about overload and and poor strength. Um, so basically, the cause is doing too much too soon um, with a body that's not strong enough to cope with that load. Yeah. So when we 
kind of what we see basically if we're talking about load uh, kind of comes down to the management of it is you know where kind of a strong connection comes so the most effective way to treat the injury is to kind of rest and undergo a load management program mm -hmm. um, according to clinical research i'm also a firm believer in strengthening uh, strengthening yeah, the carbs strengthening mm -hmm. like anything anything that you identify as weak in a runner where it's a primary muscle for running it i think it should be targeted uh, just because of uh, the muscular chain but um you know, it's predominantly occurring pre-season at the end of the season when volumes change or surfaces change. So, mm. yeah, very much linked to an overuse injury. Can it be, is it also um, partly, you know, tightness in the calves? Yeah, so um, even though it's a bone, what it's a little analogy we have as the team. We've got a bunch of little analogies for us. Like, so Will Roser and I, who are passionate about this injury, um, our, our favorite analogy is while it's a bone response it's kind of like you wouldn't ride uh, a downhill you wouldn't ride downhill on a road bike right um <laughs> God, no. you, yeah so because what would happen is you you crack the road bike frame it would just break apart and things yeah. like that and that's that's why you've got a downhill bike you've got these springs in place to hold, help the frame distribute the load and it's the same thing for you like for your calves for your shins you know your your muscles and your bone interact together and you need to make sure they're working in unison so the calves we know we see the soleus so the big flat triangular almost triangular calf muscle which sits yeah. under the nice gastrocnemius which everyone likes to show off when they're showing off their calves <laughs> that's right um you know they take a brunt of the load or the soleus in particular rather takes a brunt of the load when you're running. And if you don't have a strong soleus, if you've got a weak dysfunctioning soleus or a weak tight muscle, um, not only are there other biomechanical implications, but you know, as using that downhill bike analogy, if, if it's not there to support the frame, you can expect the frame to crack. Mm. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And um, can uh, running on, you talked about different surfaces, if you run predominantly on the road, are you more likely to be susceptible to shin splints than say if you're running on the trails? So that depends on what you read uh, really. Um, so what I will say is when we look into load management programs, we do believe in variable surfaces. Yeah. Um, and we do believe on softer services and it comes down to that bone loading theory for us. You know, sometimes you read papers and what you see in papers doesn't translate to what you see in real life. You know, it's, it does happen. Um, I know there's some analysis out there that will tell you not so much, um, but you know, what we recommend and what we see is, you know, changing the surfaces, including those soft grass surfaces, things like that as part of a program and that's because less impact on the bone, you know, you're hitting a softer surface. It all works in unison if you look at it that way. Yeah. Um, now, if I've got uh, sore shins and I go and see someone, how, how is it diagnosed that it's actually um, MTSS? Well, quickly do. So MTSS, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Sorry, my screen's just gone a bit. That's right. Wacky. 
Is it? Can you see my slide? No, it just oh, disappeared. Okay, I'll bring it back up. <laughs> yeah. Um, there we go. All good. Yep. Perfect. Now, so MTSS, um, as we saw on a slide earlier, it's it's predominantly dull, achy pain, sometimes burning, depending on the patient. Uh, on the inside border, so the medial border of the shin bone, the tibia. Yeah. And it often presents, it's more likely to present in the lower third. Uh, interestingly, um, so it's tender to touch, you know, so yeah. tender to palpate, um, really tender to touch for some people. Like they really don't like you bothering them down there. Um, but for a correct diagnosis, an interesting thing is they're looking for a five centimetre kind of space where where they palpate or where the patient's presenting symptoms it's not just a focal point oh okay so, as in the size of the sore spot yeah the size of the sore spot you're looking for at least a five centimeter spread okay. um, now i may be wrong uh, actually on this this is probably a question for will mcnamara on the team my interpretation yeah. of that is if you're getting those focal pains and that, that really focus uh, focus spot you probably, if you're a clinician or you're the runner, you probably want to go get an MRI because uh, you really want to rule out a stress fracture because I know the pain okay. for them gets very focalised. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm just writing notes for, for later. Um, so, yeah, it's all good. Um, so, uh, and, and so once we've got it diagnosed, um, yep. And, and sometimes that's half the battle because, um, as we spoke about before we started recording, we've both had shin splints that turned into stress fractures. Certainly for myself, speaking of my own experience, I um, I was fairly new to running. I didn't really, yep. you know, I thought it sore, whatever. Um, yep. And um, I, would, I wore um, compression socks, thinking yep. that would help, which it did absolutely nothing, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. So, so what are the sorts of things that people tend to do before they get diagnosed and and what should they do once they've been diagnosed look there's plenty there's a lot of things out there which are meant to be a go-to quick fix that's what it's marketed as mm. and it's for that it's for that reason you don't see them in a lot of clinics so mm. you know there's a lot of things you can buy without going to a clinic that do work uh, and methods that do work and do help but kind of the, the analogy we run with is it's it's silly, but it, it's an easy thing for everyone to remember. It's it's the hot dog analogy where you've got a hot dog. So you're buying a hot dog, you know, and then you've got all the condiments on it. The hot dog for us in this case and what we see in clinical practice is load management. Yeah. So having someone tell you, you know, help you gauge the surface you're running on, the volume of which you're running, you know, load management does also include things like uh, you can, in, for a lot of patients, they get good results deloading the tibia with small heel pads, you know, so for, for the heel striking, yeah. um, different shoes. It's about getting on top of the load. So that's the hot dog. And then all the condiments you can put on top of the hot dog, depending on the patient, you're going to get a better result. They're going to enjoy the hot dog more. You've got mm -hmm. some strengthening. So if you've got a patient with weak calves, uh, and you can identify that, um, definitely get on top of it. I think soleus, particularly bent knee calf raises and things like that are very important. Um, unfortunately for runners, the quick thing they go for is those compression sleeves. Mm. 
and you know we have a slide if you want me to show it's just a yep. bit bit of a further on it shows it's this big rct i think it's a dutch group there we gotta go here we go here so it's this Dutch group, Moen et al, and they do a lot of MTSS research, right? And they did this nice big RCT on compression sleeves with load management. Um, and they just showed, you know, compression sleeves, they're just not getting the results. I do have to ask why in all the running groups I follow, you know, people say they had great results with compression sleeves. Um, there's obviously something they're doing with it. Um, I think they might or, be resting or, or they it, might be. Yeah, or could it be <laughs> the um, placebo effect? It could be. Um, there's also the notion it might be the pain desensitization. Mm. So just, yeah. just blocking the pain. Um, yeah. That's a big thing. You know, we've seen some crazy devices out there. One of the ones, this one here was, it didn't go very far. Um, so I don't know <laughs> any runners who bought it. Unsurprisingly. Um, it was an aluminium <laughs> rod. Oh, that God. you could put down the whole border. Uh, yeah. This was done on military personnel and it just didn't have any, it had very bad compliance issues. Mm. Um, but again, if we're going back to that analogy of the mountain bike and, you know, going downhill versus the road bike, um, something like this, it's sure it might be compressing inflammation to some degree, but it's not addressing that, you know, the muscle, you know, the posterior muscles, so your, your soleus mm. and things like that, which are, so often implicated so even for so for for example this if this worked you know you would still be wanting to do something about calf tightness and calf weakness um yep. as well so yep. <clears throat> yeah and and certainly um you know as we said deloading is is a main yeah. component yeah definitely yeah and that's why um there was that big slide i went past there rest is <laughs> most effective um yeah. if you it really comes down to the strength of the the coach the podiatrist the physio it's, it's their ability to treat the injury as a runner if they really were not going to go see someone and they didn't want to get help yeah. you know for short to medium term until they try and run again because they might if they're not educated it might come back really their only best their best option is to rest just to not mm -hmm. do it um yeah. Um, but work on strengthening right the calf so that the calf doesn't lose more yeah, no, strength. Yeah, no, exactly. This I'm I'm talking in in a sense of if they're not going to come talk to someone and get told that they yeah. and they're just going to shop for things online, you know, you know, compression sleeves and things. Rest rest was the most was the most yeah. effective, and that was pretty much, you know, a frustration myself and a lot yeah. of athletes had. So. Uh, because, yeah. because one thing is 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 athletes are not necessarily the best at, at resting. Taking no, days off. Not at all. No, yeah. that's the thing. They just yeah, they don't. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So cool. um, so what sort of um, so you you get a shin splint and and if you don't get it diagnosed and um, you know do something about it, basically it turns into a stress fracture. Um, what is you know once that occurs, then then um there is complete deloading. So it's best, like you said, to do the rest now and strengthen the calf now. Yeah. And optimally, yeah. sorry, you go. No, no, go on. I was going to say it optimally, you wouldn't completely rest. You would just yes. deload and then, and then build back up. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Well, certainly when I had my stress fracture, I was pool running and swimming. So um, even once you have a stress fracture, you can still exercise, but it's getting rid of the load that caused the problem, which is generally the running. Um, So there are, as you said, um, many methods of dealing with shin splints. Now, you and your partners in your business have created a, a... calf sleeve style yep. methodology for um, dealing with this. Can you talk to us about that one? I definitely can. Look, it's our whole process was identifying. So we know what works, you know, you get load management, you get strengthening, you know, yep. it works. It can just yep. take a bit. Right. Um, so on one end, you've got these, and we were fortunate enough at the levels of sport we were at that we were provided pretty good programs. Um, it just took a while still, yeah. uh, depending on the severity. Um, and we see that it translates across most of professional sport. Um, they get good results. They're just frustrated with the, how long it takes. Yeah. And then from an athlete's perspective, there's no short-term win. You know, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's nothing quick. It's all about backing off and then introducing new exercises. And ac- athletes, despite being exercise fanatics, don't like prehab or rehab <laughs> exercises it's all it's of funny, a sudden they it? don't want to do them yeah, yeah they're, they're happy to do all the beach weights in the world um yeah. but then you you give them some calf raises or some banded exercises and they're this isn't going to make me bigger um or <laughs> yeah. it's gonna, i'm not going to look as good anymore <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. compliance is bad so basically what what we were looking to do so we designed this thing called the solution and our, our hypothesis was that you take what works, which was load management and strengthening for us. Yeah. And what we wanted to do was see if by compressing the periostitis along the posteromedial border, so that area of pain for shin splint sufferers, mm. and by reducing tension in the calf, we could take what we know works, give athletes short-term pain relief, so it's yeah. something to help manage the pain. So there's that short-term win. So to help the psychology of it, um, help with the compliance and things like that. But then also over the medium to long-term, not make this a, not make this a constantly adjusting, often hit and miss process for a lot of people or just a long drawn out return to full load running because, you know, we were looking at studies, things it takes, you know, for a lot of people, it can take up to six months till they're running with negligible yeah. pain. You know, exactly. they might get a drop at the start, but it just took took too long. And with something like MTSS, I know with a lot of, I'm not an expert on knee injuries at all, but the analogy I've been given by, or the comparison I've been given by some clinicians is with knee pain, some of them you can run with five, six out of 10 pain, you yeah. know, and not be, not be at risk. But with MTSS, it's if you're at one out of 10, you need to be very aware that it's a nasty path that you're yeah. following. Yeah. So, so that's, it's basically, it's not a compression sleeve, you know, it was to solve that problem of the junky things yeah. getting sold to people, you know, compression sleeves do serve a purpose, just not with this injury. So this sleeve here is actually not compression at all. What we're doing is targeting the soleus with these three nodes, and then we've got a rod in the sleeve. And what these top three straps we've shown to have done, it's, in a pub, it's published in the Journal of Science and Medicine and Sports, uh, improves ankle range of motion by 21% in an hour of wear. And then together, the whole thing, again, published in the same journal, we did a randomized controlled trial and showed with load management, that's 
important with load management and strengthening. Um, all the participants with the solution were pain-free at four and a half, five weeks uh, oh, wow. and running in full, full capacity. Yeah. Uh, but then everyone with the load management without, with just a placebo, which was a compression sleeve, uh, <laughs> which we always like, <laughs> like to laugh about sometimes, um, they had no measurable change for, for six months on their, on their return to training with no pain. So um, we're pretty I, happy I, with it. Yeah, obviously, um, you're not running in this. No, no. no. So this is before or after exercise. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I just runners, wanted to make that clear to the listeners that you're not no, actually good. running in it. No, no. Yeah. Uh, we spoke to a lot of runners. We we partnered with New South Wales Health, uh, and they we talked to 500 runners, and we learned very early on that runners like wearing garments and shoes and nothing else. So. <laughs> like when they run. So we, yeah. we knew we had to, this had to be a recovery, a recovery yeah. tool. So. So can you explain what the rod um, is, is for in the side there? So if I've got it. So just this green rod here. Yeah. So basically it sits on that, that, that periostitis, so that inflammation. So compressing inflammation, it's not, it's not our biggest innovation. It's uh, yeah. something we just, we knew, we knew worked. Um, and I think the, I, I do believe, you know, it's pretty much as simple as that, compressing the pain, compressing the inflammation. Uh, the bottom strap and all the straps also apply what's called an inframedial torsion. So this area of pain, these straps basically pull the calf around ever so light, slightly so it also doesn't have the same pull and tension oh, on that yeah. area while, yeah. while you're wearing it. So, yeah. So sort of like how the... Um... The kinesiology tape is purported to sort of pull the muscle away a bit. It, it's sort of doing that sort of thing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you can definitely use the tape to reverse the torsion. Mm. Um, the problem, so we wouldn't recommend this device with just the rod um, at all or just the torsion because, so what we're looking for here, and we're doing some studies with Edinburgh Rugby um, and some of the footy teams through, through Australia, because um, our ankle ROM study, we've only got a short-term acute published study. Uh, yeah. And then obviously all the other data is just from feedback from all the patients using it, um, but nothing that we're allowed to use properly. Uh, you've got to be addressing the calf. Yeah. Like you've got, to, you've got to be looking at it. And, you know, poor ankle range of motion is such a big factor in the injury and weakness in, in the soleus. So... This isn't meant to be the be all or end all. You're still going to have to do the strengthening mm. exercises, but what and, you and can I would expect assume, from this is help. Yeah, and I would assume also ankle range of motion exercises too would be helpful. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, yeah, like this 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 has nothing to do as well just to highlight with ankle joint stiffness leading yeah. to poor ankle range of motion. But yeah, all those exercises where you can improve your ankle's range of motion, strengthen your calves. There's some great stuff out there now. I've seen some podiatrists and things getting results, strengthening hips, you know, yeah. all, all these things, you know, all kind of comes together to treat the injury quite well. And, and that's often the way is that there's not one fix for these things. Um, <clears throat> no. And using a variety of modalities will ensure that you yeah. um, can achieve success quicker and more successfully. No, definitely. Yeah. No, definitely. And um yeah, we're we're out. That's 
pretty much what we've been championing the whole time. This is this device serves its purpose, um, but it should not be. It's not the whole thing. Um, yeah. It's to solve that frustration of what exists with what works, um, but you've still got to do what works. Um, so how did you guys figure saves, this out? Just you know, guessing and then doing a study and hoping it worked. <laughs> um, pretty much trial and error. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Read, read a lot of papers, um, spoke to a lot of people, you know, some doctors down in or up uh, down in Sydney, rather from where I used to live, uh, always said down in Sydney is <laughs> they we spoke to them through the hypothesis. You know, we looked into myofascial pain disorders. We looked into myofascial traction things. We looked into a variety of things and basically all the the theories surrounded bone loading or you know, um, bone loading all the soft tissue, uh, myofascial stuff. So we just basically made something that identified the commonalities in those areas, uh, which was the periostitis on, uh, along the border of the bone. Yeah. And then the soleus, it's just, even if they don't have the injury, if there's a lot of muscles that get associated, we pick the soleus just because anytime you look at the force output or the, the brunt, of the force rather that the soleus takes when a runner runs, um, it just cops it. So yeah. it, it makes sense to show that muscle love as opposed to the perianeals, uh, the tibialis posterior, all these other muscles that get implicated with the injury. The soleus we just chose yeah. um, out of, I think, trying to give it the love we thought it deserved. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so. uh, if, if I don't have shin splints, but I'm doing a lot of running, is this still good for recovery? Oh, it really comes down to who the runner is. So a lot of the ankle rom stuff. So we did that second study just because of its implication in other injuries. Um, yeah. It was clinicians who asked us to do it. Um, you know, we just were doing the MTS, the thing on shin splints first. Uh, but again, it just wouldn't be a be all or end all. If you've if you've got calf tightness and calf issues, you can expect to use this after a run, and it can address those things. It can help with your dorsiflexion. Mm -hmm. um, our biggest positive reviews are that it just makes their car it makes your calves feel great. But I think if we're looking at a patient who's got say they've got a, there's a hundred percent of their maximal calf range that they can achieve. And you've got a, you've got a runner who's got 95% of that maximal mm. range already achieved and their calves are still, you know, a bit sore, you know, I wouldn't think that, you know, you can still expect to them to maybe get like a 90, they might get to 96% after wearing it for an hour and things like that. Yeah. But if you're looking at a patient, so we had people in the RC, sorry, not the RCT and the other study who they had terrible, ankle range of motion like I'm talking like one centimeter needle oh, walls wow. and things like that so that's like the knee just in front of the toes you know those people who are at five percent of their maximal range they get huge improvements very quick so yeah. if you're a runner you've got poor ankle range of motion and tight calves you're at risk of a lot of injuries so the device could serve a purpose there but if you're a runner who's got brilliant calf range strong calves yeah and your calves just get a bit sore, you know, it might make your calves feel great, but I think you're just dealing with something yeah. everyone's dealing with, uh, yeah. <laughs> just sore bodies after running. Sore, sore yeah. tired bodies. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's just part and parcel. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. okay. So just say we've had the shin splints and we've done um, everything like this. Are we more susceptible to getting shin splints again? Unfortunately, yes. The most common people to get shin splints are... People who've had it? People who've had it. Yeah. Um, I can't find the slide. It's in there somewhere. Uh, you've got to look at a patient's history whenever you're yeah. diagnosing the injury because the most person, the most, uh, the people who are most at risk, it's uh, female netballers and hockey players and <laughs> anyone who's had it before. So, yeah. yeah. So if if you've got a history of it, you're unfortunately, you know, going to get it again. But I think if you take all the, if you if you're focusing on everything that's known about the injury and all these risk factors and you're reducing your likelihood of having one of those risk factors so the poor ankle range you're not coming back from months of eating pizza and drinking and then going straight back into the same running program <laughs> if you're being careful and building yourself back up um, there's no reason to suggest that you'll get the injury again but i think i personally this is not research at all just witnessing um, my opinion is every time i've seen someone get shin splints again um they've forgotten things that they should have been doing yeah. uh, to not get it uh, yeah. not get the injury and and i think oftentimes um runners are oops um quite good at ignoring uh niggles and those sorts of things you know yeah. so it's really all about listening to the body as well isn't it yeah yeah and honestly shin splints i think it's uh it's because it's a very broad spectrum of pain yes. uh, that someone can experience uh it starts from a shin tickle uh mm. so something very light uh, and can get very very bad and you know we see that in some of the stuff we've done we shared a case study one of my friends he's a former swimmer who's on a tv show that he had to train for uh we showed his how the device was used for him yeah. and this to me is he was olympian he's tough as nails absolute animal yeah. you know does not complain just get stuff done and we shared the fact that he had shin splints and we had all these comments like oh you know pussy sook loser <laughs> all this stuff get over oh, it no. it's just like so i think and they were like i'm a runner i just run through this and yeah. we just saw hundreds of those so there's definitely people out there running through it you know and if they get over it by running through it kudos to them but i've never heard of everything it happening. would suggest <laughs> yeah everything would suggest that that's not going to happen no well they'll run through the shin splints definitely they'll cut into a stress fracture yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know so um yeah and not a recommended course of action unless you want a, a decent break from running yeah <laughs> It's a good way to set yourself up for an excuse. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, um, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to talk to us about in in regards to shin splints or anything else here? Oh, I think um, for any runner who's not had an injury out there, it's just I think like uh, I've I've seen this a few times. You just not even just shin splints, like any other injury. Yeah. Don't if you feel it try and get on top of it sooner because the more time you spend out of running and exercising yeah. the more you're going to realize how important it was to your life right so yeah. one of the most important things i saw is when we spoke to all these runners because you got to remember we wanted to make sure that we wanted to prove we thought they were going to we just wanted to prove it that 
every like all the weekend warriors, everyone who was just running for fun, they yeah. ran mentally the same reasons that we did as you know elite athletes and when we had that sport taken away from us they were going to have the same mental impact yeah and every single runner as soon as they get injured and as soon as they're out of running it's not just okay i'll relax it's like you know depression it's all these horrible things and these horrible cycles so any runner out there any injury or any niggle that you feel coming on address it soon don't leave it because you don't want to risk those windows of not not training. Yeah, and and when you say address it, I would I, I'm also assuming you would recommend getting it diagnosed rather than shopping yeah. around for. Yeah, for don't Doctor Google. Yeah, don't Doctor Google. Yeah, that's you might, right. You might get you might might have a sore heel and get diagnosed with epilepsy. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Probably likely using Google. So, yeah. yeah, no. Uh, no. Yeah, definitely find definitely find a physio, podiatrist, you know, sports doc, you know who works, you know, and I think the best ones are also the ones who respect where they're great and then they send you out to other people. Yeah. So, the, you know, a lot of physios and podiatrists I've seen, they try and do everything, but the best ones are the ones that acknowledge that they can do X, Y, Z. Here's another person who can do, you know, A, B and C. Uh, yeah. And they give you that, you know, the, all the treatment modalities to help you help you stay running. Yeah. Do um, are, are, can you, you sorry, can't get my words out. Are people able to get um, your solution through physios and that sort of thing? Is, is that how it works? Yep. Yeah, they sure can. Um, we're still a young, pretty young business. There's a yep. couple of hundred physios and podiatrists that use it. Um, basically, a lot of a lot of them are trained in using it and they just send you to our website and then oh, okay. you buy it and then they know how to use it. I yeah. think, you know, the best the best way to go about it is you can talk to your physio or podiatrist first. Uh, if they want to see the research or they want to get connected with us, we can run them through it, let them know it's not another compression sleeve. Yeah. It's not another weird thing. It's got, all, it's got all this stuff. And make sure you follow everything else they give you. Because um, if you don't, you're going to have, a, with our device, you're going to have a great pain management tool. It's going to help your calves. But you're not going to address all the other things. So the injury, you might lose your symptoms, it'll come back. You know, you've got to be educated on what the cause of the injury is uh, and right. address it's, that it's with, not, with your clinician. Yeah, it's not just about treating the symptoms, it's about treating the cause no. as well. And and it exactly. uh, I can imagine it would be easy for people to think, well, I'll put this on and that will fix it because they don't have to do anything. Like you said, um, yeah. athletes aren't necessarily the best at compliance with exercises, but yeah. really this is just part of the of the treatment it's not the full treatment yeah yeah and that's why we actually every time someone buys one from us they get a load management program it's only to three six kilometer runs a week yeah. um, it's a very cautious one and they can reach out to us and if we can find the time we'll help them tweak it yeah but we give there's this educational video series we give and it's basically hey this is what the injury is you also need to do these things stick with the current gold standards this is what the device will do for you mm. and this is where the device is good but you can't expect it to be this magic one just tap your tibia with you know yeah. you've got to go out and talk to the clinician like our what we're try, trying to do at the moment is build a map so all the clinicians who use it a runner can log on look at it go all right these ones use it if they've already got the solutions and they know these clinics are familiar with it then they can go straight to that clinic and 
things like that. Like we're trying to work with clinicians rather than like, yeah. it would be stupid of us to, to not do, to not take what already works and make it yeah. better. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah. No, no, that sounds excellent. So um, can you, I, I'll put it in the show notes, but for people who are just um, listening on the, on the fly at the moment, do you want to just give um, the website? Uh, so it's, S, uh, solution.com so s-o-l-u-s-h-i-n.com yep. um, and if you head there that's uh, should have all the information and ways to contact us and and the videos and all that sort of stuff as well oh yeah all, all the videos and things are there yep yep i love the play on words with the solution name oh we made that as a joke and a prominent sports doctor loved it and told yeah. other people it was ah, called okay. that so it's stuck <laughs> I like it though. I so think it's very clever. Yeah, yeah. It it has worked in our favour. It's every other thing out there's like a an orthotic brace for medial tibial stress syndrome. <laughs> so with, wordy, in other yeah, words. Yeah, just just dull. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so no, no. yeah, it's good. It's a bit exciting. Very clever. I like it. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, taking the time to talk to us about shin splints and and how we can deal with them. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much and take care. Thanks. Bye. As you can see, there are many different ways of dealing with shin splints. I certainly think Ben's product is worth a try if you're struggling with them. And, and who knows, maybe it would have helped me. Find this product at solution.com and it's spelled S-O-L-U-S-H-I-N. And I've put a link in the show notes if you're out running and can't be bothered writing that down. So have a great week of training and racing if you are lucky enough to be able to do so.